I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Touch Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT is a local commercial and residential contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry, clients, and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Our guest today on the podcast is Aaron Witt, president of BuildWit. And Aaron has really intrigued me for a long time. You know, we talk a lot about social media, and there's a lot of people out there with you know, tricks and techniques to beat the algorithm. But the reality is it comes down to good content. And, you know, we had Danny Wang on with Danny Wang Design out of Newport Beach, and he hit that point over and over about good content. And again, Aaron is just crushing the content on LinkedIn and Instagram and all throughout social media. He has his own podcast uh, called Dirt Talk. Check that out. But Aaron has just really revolutionized the LinkedIn platform and does a great job from the heavy civil side showing dirt work and creating that interest from a young workforce. And so the reason we brought Aaron on was really to dive into marketing strategies for your company how we can dive into social media, how we can have better content, why LinkedIn is so valuable. For any of you that aren't on LinkedIn, I guarantee you that after this podcast with Aaron, you're going to make sure that you're spending time on LinkedIn. Especially in the beginning of the podcast, we really dive into LinkedIn and the advantages there and why it's different than Instagram, why it's different than these other platforms. So definitely take a listen. Aaron did a great job. Grateful to have him on. And as I mentioned, Aaron Wood is president of Build What Media Group. He began his journey in the dirt world when he was a kid digging holes in the backyard. Since dirt's always been an enormous passion for him, construction was a natural career choice once college came about. After graduating with an engineering degree and working for five different heavy construction companies in four states, Aaron's life plan was to start a construction business. However, all that went out the window when he started sharing his dirt world experiences on social media. His online following quickly grew, and he realized he could build a business around educating society about how essential heavy construction and mining are to our world. He quit his day job, picked up a camera, and started traveling to different job sites across the U.S. Today, while he still runs around photographing dirt, he leads a marketing agency focused exclusively on heavy construction and mining companies. Buildwood is a team of 25 marketing experts who help their partners solve their workforce issues and win work by telling their stories via social media, web, video, and other means. At only 25 years old, Aaron still has a whole lot of room to run on his mission to make the dirt world a better place. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest. They've been an amazing partner of ours for our clients and a great resource on all of our projects that we've had here in Scottsdale. So if you're starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove Showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout the entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom in North Scottsdale quite often. As I mentioned, it's just here around my office, so it's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with a showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client, and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliances might look like in their home. The best part is that the consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to 
provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest show- showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. I'm Brad Levitt, and welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And today, we're super fortunate to bring on Aaron Witt, who's president of Build Wet Wit. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Very, very excited about this. Yeah, same here. So for those of you that uh, have seen Aaron's uh, content, it's just outstanding. You know, from the dirt world, um, which most of us are unfamiliar with, I've been a big fan from afar of Aaron for a long time. Want to get him on the podcast. I, I know that he has so much to offer in regard to social media and marketing because uh, he caught my eye. I told him that, you know, some time ago. So Aaron, I want to dive into this because you just have this ability to create engagement. You know, your analytics are through the charts on LinkedIn. So let's start there. You know, how has LinkedIn changed your business? LinkedIn drives a vast majority of our business. It's almost the entirety of our business development. Yeah, business development. It's been remarkable. I used to use view it as like a well, I don't need a job, so I don't need to be on LinkedIn. It's just kind of a waste of my time and. I used to be on it just for formality's sake, you know, put my pretty picture on there and, uh, you know, to type out my my um, somewhat false, you know, bio on there, making me sound way cooler <laughs> and more experienced than I actually am. Uh, but then I started looking at it as a, as a business tool and uh, the quality of content is so low on LinkedIn that I thought, well, I have these cool photographs that are doing very well on Instagram. Why don't I start putting this stuff on LinkedIn? And I don't even need to tailor it to LinkedIn. I just need to put it on there. And, you know, cool stuff's cool stuff. It doesn't matter where you put it. Uh, and so I started putting it on there. And, and it, it gave me the ability to reach a whole new audience. So on Instagram, you're reaching, you know, younger people, 20 to 30, 35. On LinkedIn, I'm reaching decision makers. I'm reaching owners of businesses. I'm reaching vice presidents. I'm reaching, um, you know, project managers out in the field. And now it's funny because I hear, I follow you on LinkedIn, love your stuff on LinkedIn way more than I do uh, Instagram or anywhere else when I have, where I have way more views, way more followers, all that. It just, it goes so much further on LinkedIn than anywhere else. And then a majority of our leads now, we don't do any marketing or anything. It's it, everything's social media driven. So they'll come to us, reach out. Hey, I, I love your stuff. How'd you find us? I, I've been seeing your stuff on for a year on LinkedIn. So they come to us and we don't even need to sell them on anything because they come to us and say, well, I've already seen all your stuff for a whole year. I'm following along. I know exactly who you are. I know everything about you. And it just totally changes the entire sales process. So LinkedIn's totally changed everything for us. No, I love that you said that. It's funny because I, I think most people that haven't caught the wave, if you will, social media, and, you know, we're seeing it more and people be active on there. But one of the key components that you mentioned, Aaron, is, is the sales side, right? That you know, you can build a personality, you can build um, a way of thinking as a thought leader, you can build kind of an ethos there, you know, like your systems is what you've done at, you know, as a, a marketing firm. And and so people, you've already done the sell, you know, the soft sell, it, it's really just a budget. Is there a, a familiarity, you know, do we coincide, you know, our values with that, with that client at the end, end of the day? And so social media bridges that, you know, it's, it's a quicker way where you don't have to sell yourself, you know, as a hard sell. Yeah, no, I know, and I know you know all this stuff. Yeah, it just eliminates that whole awkward part of the conversation where I have to go preach about what I believe in. It's like, well, we already know, so just tell me what how we can work together. It's like, that's all I have to do? Great, okay, let's let's talk about that. 
And, and the funny thing is, I mean, look, you're a younger guy, right, Aaron? So here you are, younger, and you know, in our profession of construction, design, architecture, you know, they're, they're in the past, at least when I was coming into it, you know, 20 years ago, you know, there was a credence to people that were more senior, had experience, had the look, you know, you're a young face, you know, but social media, you, you can now show your talent, your capability quickly, and really that age discrimination doesn't come into play. I'm sure you've seen that, especially from the civil side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they... they the age has been a problem and it's it's also an advantage at the same time because my my age it's um people they, i'm not a peer you know so when i'm trying to sell the 50 somethings it's they don't even they don't even really want to talk to me but then at the same time same side of the coin when we do get in the door and they do trust me they'll tell me anything because i'm not a threat and i've talked about that too and so i've been able to get so much information about companies that no one they, that they would never tell anyone else just because I'm not a threat, I, I because I'm not a peer, because I couldn't go do what they do. So they'll just tell me anything. Hey, what's your revenue look like? What's your profitability look like? You know, what are the biggest problems you're having in your business? They'll, they'll, they'll everything about it. They'll tell us because I'm younger. So it goes both ways there, which is amazing. But but getting back to the LinkedIn thing, um, you you made a really important comment there, Aaron. You talked about that the quality of content's not good. And and the thing I continue to hear with LinkedIn is, you know, when I tell people get on LinkedIn, use LinkedIn, they always look at me and like, I thought that's like a job search or like resume. They don't really understand the platform. And and the question I often get, which you already answered was, well, I use Instagram or Pinterest or whatever platform they're using. Can I use the same content on LinkedIn? And my answer is yes. I put the exact same Instagram worthy photos on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is more viral. The, the organic reach on LinkedIn is much stronger than Instagram, much stronger than other platforms I use. And the demographics different. As you said, these are decision makers, they're CEOs, doctors, executives, business owners, salespeople. You know, these are the people you want to be in front of. Yeah, no, and then I just had that conversation with someone 30 minutes ago. Well, do we have to do everything differently? No, just post the same stuff. Cause it's if it's a great story, if it's if you're telling a great story, anyone will, will appreciate it. Like I just said, it doesn't matter where it is. So it doesn't matter if it's a 20 something year old kid in the field or a 50 something year old executive. We're all, we're all people. We all enjoy good stories. So if you're telling a good story, it's the exact same thing. And you just said something like the best thing about LinkedIn, the engagement is ridiculous, ridiculous. I have, I don't know, like 10,000 followers on LinkedIn, but my posts will go get hundreds of thousands of views very, very regularly. And it's just way higher than Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else, just way beyond what I can do anywhere else. It's so weird to say that because I, I, I check my analytics very often, right, throughout the different platforms. And when I look at Instagram, for example, you know, I did a static post, which for those listening, static posts, you know, some still photos. And it was a carousel. So they're like eight photos. You know, on Instagram, it did pretty good. You know, they're like 600 likes. It reached like 8,000 people. I look on LinkedIn and it's like 75,000, right? And yeah. I have more followers on Instagram than I do on LinkedIn, similar to you. But what's amazing is it can go viral, even the views. And I've seen that with your content because you'll post something there and quickly, I mean, the likes and comments, which spending as much time on LinkedIn as I do, I can only imagine the analytics that you're seeing that I'm not seeing, right? How these are taking off. Yeah. And, and it's it's for a few reasons. One, you can share stuff on LinkedIn. You can't do that on Instagram. So people share a post of yours and then it goes to their entire network, which which then shows their whole network, your content and, and boosts engagement way beyond what you can just scrolling on a feed. And then two, LinkedIn's business model is different than Instagram. It's Instagram is all based on advertising, all based yep. on this algorithm, 
all based on showing people stuff. LinkedIn, they don't really make money that way. They do make money on, on advertising, but they make more, more money on the job function of it, the premium profiles, this and that. So they don't need to rig the system in their favor. So they'll, they'll, they'll prioritize good content because it, it helps, it helps get people engaged on their platform and make them more money. Whereas Instagram, they, they get to rig the system however they want to, to, to prioritize the advertising revenue. And, and so that, that's why there's a lot more natural engagement on LinkedIn now than Instagram. And it's only getting worse on Instagram and Facebook driven by the, the ad revenue model. I, I love that you said that, and I think you hit some points that probably most people listening didn't even realize is that most of us understand the pay-for-play model, or we've heard that, and we know how the algorithms change on Instagram and these other platforms, and you know they're manipulating what their users are seeing, even those that follow them. But what you hit on the head, I really love Aaron, is that LinkedIn's different. They do have the the premium that you can purchase, and and, and that's really especially for people in sales and stuff, it's an easy way where they can direct message inbox, you know, as they're reaching out and soliciting, you know, so, so LinkedIn has a revenue source. It's almost like Costco, you pay to be a member. So they have that revenue already just to be a member of Costco. Well, LinkedIn has the same thing to be a premium member. Plus the job posting, you know, I did a job posting and there's a cost there through LinkedIn, you know, to advertise, to find that demographic, you know, to find the hiring. So, so there's revenue sources. So they're not trying to manipulate me as the user, but what they do reward is someone such as yourself, Aaron, that's putting out good content, that's engaging. People are going to use that now and follow it and get on that platform. They're going to get on their LinkedIn and say, what's Aaron posting now? You know, And it's catching exactly. their eye. And so they're going to reward you for that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I guess the other key point too, and, and you, I, I think you know this as well, on, on Instagram, the competition's a lot higher for storytelling quality. That's why I started telling stories in construction rather than, you know, I was, when I started BuildWit, I was doing, I, I, I wanted to use social media as a tool. That was the entire premise. That's why, why I began this whole journey in, in, in the first place. I wanted to use it as a tool. So I started evaluating my life. What are the unique stories I can tell and how can I tell those stories? So the, the first natural one I went to was hiking, traveling, nature stuff. But then you go on, 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 on Instagram holy smokes there's millions of people on there that are way more talented than you doing way cooler stuff and and it's just it's it's much more competition and then i looked at construction well no one's telling a good story here so i could implement these amazing story techniques storytelling techniques to an industry that has no storytelling and i can go dominate and that's why that's why we took off so fast when we began linkedin's the exact same thing on instagram and facebook you're competing with just so much stuff that's a lot of it is really good. Like Instagram, especially there's some amazingly talented people on there. LinkedIn, it's all garbage. So if you just deliver really nice stuff to look at, you're way ahead of everyone else to begin with. It, it's, it's so easy to grab attention on LinkedIn compared to Instagram, just because there's less, there's less good stuff there. It, it's amazing you say that because on Instagram, there is, it's so competitive. I mean, the photography, the uh, storytelling, the emotional journey, which are all these key points in marketing right they're all so well done and very professionally well done but you go to linkedin and that's the biggest issue me most people you have no idea what their job or career is from their posts like it's not even related and so it's 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 totally open to conquer if you will and that's what you've done and and i love how you talked about starting your company i mean i think i was similar where social media just became a tool a resource to document to storytell to show you know, a little bit about our company without understanding that it would become a life of its own. And I'm sure you've seen that, that all of a sudden it takes off and now you have a whole nother 
enterprise that's really changed and transformed your business. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's done nothing but wonders for us. And it, it, like I said, it drives our business. We have millions of dollars in sales directly correlated to LinkedIn. A hundred percent, it's derived from LinkedIn in some way or another. Um, so it's it's I view social media and posting on LinkedIn daily, posting on Instagram daily as just an essential business task. It's like accounting for me, or it's like brushing my teeth. Like I just I need to do it. It's an essential part of my business. I've made those two correlations. So even when I don't want to do it. I do it because I need to do it to keep continue growing my business. I love that you said that. So most people always, the, the common theme is that, Brad, I don't have time to post. Like, I, yeah. I'm too busy. And when you said, it's brushing my teeth, right? This is such a part of life like and my business. I have to put it on there. And the advantage of it that you've done so well, I mean, it's funny. We've been connected, I don't know, a couple of years now, probably on social media, on LinkedIn, Aaron. You know, have yet to meet in person. Yet there's a personality, a, a, a an appreciation for each other there. But what's funny is I, you've never sold me. Like I've never had you sell something to me. You've never reached out. It's just your product, your content is doing that, and that's that soft sell that people don't realize. It's such a, a an asset for you, Aaron, that most people don't realize that they can optimize for their company. Yeah. Well, when it comes to marketing, marketing pisses me off because everyone's after that like secret formula. And it's like, what secret formula? Like all these tricks and and to game the system and all oh, you need to, you know, manipulate the algorithm this way and do paid advertising this way. And this, it's like, well, if you just took all your energy and time that you're wasting on this nonsense and focused on just telling a good story, you'd be way more successful. That's all we do is just tell good stories consistently. That's it. There's no tricks, no nonsense, nothing of the sort. I don't believe in any of that, and I don't understand any of it. So we don't we don't mess with it. We just tell good stories. That's it. it it's just. It's just telling a consistent story. And with my social media specifically, I try to just be me. So as I learn more about myself, I just try to present myself as, as me. Do I get in trouble for it all the time? Absolutely. I get, I get chewed for it all the time by some big companies that don't have senses of humor. But, <laughs> but, but it's what I have to do. And so when I, meet, when, when, when I talk with someone like you, like this, this is a natural conversation. We've never met each other in person. Yet I know who you are. You know who I am. And then I'm just we're we're now face to face. I'm just kind of verifying that's the guy. That's the guy I've been following. Same. Yep. Same one. Yep. And then you're you're yep. That's the guy. And and so now I I, I already have um, even with people I'm not trying to sell like or I guess I'm trying to sell everybody, but I'm not trying to sell a company on my product. Maybe a company's already bought what what I have to offer my marketing services, and now we're visiting their job sites. So now. Instead of selling the company on buying my product, I need to sell those people on the job site. Hey, here's who I am. Here's why I need to take your picture. And here's what I need from you. Here's why I want to tell your story. And here's, here's what I need from you to, to help further the mission of the company, to help them with hiring. It's in your best interest. If they already know who I am, they're already bought in. I've already sold them as well. And they're already way more engaged when I'm there. And then I can deliver a way better product. And so it, it, it goes across the board way deeper than just trying to sell a company on the product too. There's so many more benefits to just making a sale. That's only the very beginning of it. And the, and the dollars at the top, that's, that's, I, I would say that's like a secondary benefit to it. The, the first benefit of it is just people knowing who you are across the board. It's so helpful. Well, I, I love that you said a couple of things there, Aaron. I mean, one thing that people are always trying to game the system, as you mentioned, or trying to understand the algorithm and, you know, what do I need to do to manipulate likes and views and so forth? And you said it over and over that, you know, something I preach, you create stories and you create an emotional journey, right? When people 
are engaged to the story, to the emotional journey of the content. And then you optimize that with your photography. Because the one thing I've noticed that you have, you have some of the best photography I've ever seen. And there's just a way that you do it that really captures, you know, I there was one I saw that it, it just blew my mind, right? It was like a mining um, mining truck and you know the tires are the size of like a f-250 right so you have the f-250 there and it just kind of showcases the size and then the background and you show a lot of the people and their hard hats and the day-to-day you know and just kind of uh, there was one aerial you had with a bunch of um, uh, earth movers you know going through uh, at the same time and so there's different things you've done that really capture someone's attention that's and now the analytics will track that because people are engaged they're seeing it and then it makes me want to read the description the story behind it so how did you get such an incredible eye for photography to build that content? Um, so uh, I have an engineering degree. So, uh, and the plan was to go start a construction company, a heavy construction company. So I, I, I don't, I still don't view myself as a creative. I, I, I don't view myself as a photographer. I never had any formal photography training. I've never, never, I haven't read photography books. I don't, I don't, I'm not very interested in photography, which sounds kind of weird. I don't, I don't have a passion for photography. I have a passion for what I'm capturing, what I'm looking at, the 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 ability to go to these job sites and see these big equipment. I'm just doing it for me. I think is 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 how I put it. I started taking pictures on job sites. I I, I worked for five different construction companies while I was in college. So every single summer, I was with a different company doing something different. Whether I was in the ditch or the shovel laying pipe, I was on the railroad working seven days a week. You know, building bridges. I was doing drilling and blasting up in Washington State. I tried to just see as much of the industry as I could, and as I did, I would just take my phone, take some pictures here, or there. Hey, that's really cool. Capture that. Hey, that's really cool. Capture that. Just because I wanted to, just because I was excited to see it, and I wanted to look back on it. You know, later, later in life, that was always the plan. Started uh, working construction out of college, and and would start bringing my camera to work. Um, but again, the plan was to go work work in construction get enough experience to go start my own construction company and then go on down the road that way. But uh, it kind of started to take a life of its own as I started sharing these pictures online. I got sick of my job, quit, and then just had to make photography into something that generated revenue. But photography for me is just a means to capture what I love. And because I love looking at what I'm capturing, it comes across in the photographs. It's it's a great photographs are, are emotional for for the photographer and for someone looking at it it's an emotional journey like like you've been saying and so if i'm feeling so much excitement and joy in photographing whatever i'm photographing then that's going to come across in the photograph it sounds weird but that's that's how the best photographs are created the most emotional experiences and captured in the most unique manner is is how you create those great photographs so that's how i do it i just absolutely love big machines moving dirt i love it and so if this gets me around it all the time which it does i travel every week to different job sites around the united states every single week and around the world it's fantastic so i think that's why my photography is why it is i'm not trying to copy anyone i'm just doing what i love i'm just capturing machines how i want to capture them and that's and now you know i am hired for my photography now but if a company says, "Hey, we want these photography, these photographs, X, Y, Z," I say, "That's that's fantastic. You know, you probably want to go hire this guy. You don't want to hire me. I don't, I don't allow anyone to dictate how I take my photographs, how I capture a company. They hire me because 
they know I, I'll just capture it how I want to capture it. And then I'm emotionally invested in the work. I'm capturing what I find is fascinating. And then I'm delivering them a better product. So I don't ever do what someone wants me to do because that's, I guess that's why I started a company in, in, in the first place. I have a huge problem of being told what to do. But <laughs> um, as far as photography goes, I don't, no company that hire us, hires us says, okay, we need XYZ photographs. I just say, I'm going to go take photographs of your operation. And they say, okay, here's our job site. I show up, I photograph it as is, I give them the product, and then that's it. So it's it's my experience. I like to control that because if I don't control it, I'm not interested in it in anymore. It's not fun for me. And then it's just a job and I don't want to do it. I don't want to just take photographs for the sake of taking photographs. I take them because I enjoy the process. I enjoy what I'm looking at. I enjoy the experience of it. Well, there's a lot to dissect here. So it's interesting because um, going back to earlier in the conversation, we talked about, well, okay, with, you know, even though you've had a lot of experience, there's some youth there, Aaron. Well, you've already posted your credibility, right? You've already built that credibility through your marketing capabilities, through your photography, through LinkedIn, through Instagram, and these other channels. So that reputation's built. And now you become a disruptor, right? So one thing that most of us, and, and going back to LinkedIn, I'll, I'll see when I post photos of rough construction, whether frame stage or concrete, or you know, at excavation as, as you're doing, those really go hybrid. I mean, they really take off on LinkedIn because people don't see that. They're just not accustomed to that world. Yes. You know, and Instagram doesn't do as good. You know, the finished photo of a beautiful kitchen, that's great. But those photos uh, of, of that, just that blue collar, hard work, it just goes viral. And, I'm, and, and I know you've seen that too. And, and even myself, I've been in the industry my life. I, I've never worked on railroads, drilling, blasting, some of the stuff that you've done working for these firms as an intern and through college. Um, and so what you've done is you've created kind of an investigative and disrupt, uh, you know, your disruptor to the industry in the sense that you're showcasing behind the scenes of stuff that most of us have never seen. And, and by capsulating, you know, capturing that with good photography, now it's created a desire for people to follow more and engage, which is what these companies are hiring you for. They, they want to increase their reach, increase their notoriety, and you've done a great job doing that for them. Yeah, and I, I try to make... Our industry has never been shown off before, which is why there's a huge workforce problem, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm trying to make it digestible for just the normal person. So I don't really tailor things to somebody that knows everything about excavators, for example, because I don't know everything about excavators. I'm just a kid. I've never been an operator before. I'm just learning about this industry from my lens. So I'm just sharing everything from my perspective, very genuine, not trying to act like an expert or anything of the sort. Uh, but I try to make the storytelling really digestible. Like you just said, the big truck tire. Okay, big truck tire, that's cool. But a big truck tire next to an F-250? You've seen an F-250 before. So you can say, okay, I know an F-250 is this big. But holy, yeah, uh, you, that is ridiculous. And so now you can kind of understand how big this stuff really is. And my, I, I always joke, like, I want my mom to understand my photographs. And so when my mom says, wow, that's an amazing photograph, she doesn't care about mining. She doesn't care about construction. She knows nothing about any of that, but she's still bought into the work. Not, you know, and, and I like to think it's not just because I'm her son. So it, it, there is some bias there, and I do have to be realistic with, with, with that, that fact. But, but I like that she can understand the photographs. She can understand what's going on because I try to break it down so anyone can understand it, and even if they have no interest in, in being involved in the industry, they at least have an appreciation for it because everyone depends on it. Everyone depends on construction. Everyone depends on mining. You can't go anywhere without it. It's an essential part of society. 
very, very essential ground level parts of it. So at, at, at the least, I just want to generate an appreciation for what these industries do for people. No, I love that you said that. And it is essential. And, and you've re, re, really created this amazing, um, this brand where it's engaging. And, and going back to your comment, you kind of alluded to this was about the labor shortage, right? One thing that continues to be a topic of conversation in the last few years throughout the country is labor shortage, having good people, hiring, especially after the, the big recession we had in 2008. You know, a lot of people left our industry. And what, what I've seen... I, I see that growing. I think that social media has really helped create um, a, a, not only a need, but just a desire for those to say, hey, I want to get into construction. I want to get into design. I want to get into architecture. You know, they see the value. They see that they could have a good career and it's fun. It's not sitting behind a desk. You know, they can be out. They can be in the field. And what I love that you're doing is that you're actually making this a priority. So, you know, how is your firm assisting with the labor de demand, especially in the dirt world? Because I think the dirt world is one of those most impacted by uh, a small labor force. Yeah, and, and you're probably very aware of the struggles right now. It's it's not just the dirt world. It's 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 blue collar in general. So you're dealing with, you know, all sorts of trades, I'm sure. And, and they're all facing the exact same problem. I've just focused on the dirt world because it's what I love. So it's been, I've just, hey, I want to stay in this lane. I love this love this industry and I just want to stay here for now because there's a lot of room to grow. Uh, but what we do, I guess the problem is, so society has, has been sold to this concept of go to college, that is the way to a prosperous future. It used to be the case. You used to, you know, not many people got degrees. That was the way to go become a lawyer, doctor, engineer. So yes, if you still want to become a lawyer, doctor, engineer, do you need a college degree to do those jobs, legally speaking? Absolutely. Do you need a degree to do anything else? No. But but colleges have done such a remarkable job marketing this this concept, and then the government's bought into it, everyone's bought into it, where college degree equals success, that they've they've overvalued higher education. They've overvalued white collar, banking, tech, real estate. They've overvalued these professions and then they've totally undervalued work. And they've sold the mentality of well, you can just use your brain. You don't have to use your back to make a dollar. But they forgot about, well, okay, but that's great. But, you know, it's a pretty essential thing. You can't just eliminate hard work. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Our society doesn't function that way. People still have trash. People still drive on roads. People still fly on airplanes. People still shower in the morning. How do, all the, how do, how do those things function? So we have created a business around first and foremost, creating an interest in the blue collar industry and then showing people pathways into the blue collar industry. So companies hire us because, hey, we're struggling to, to find people just like everyone else is. How can we do this better? How can we tell our story? How can we get it out there? How can we educate people about the opportunities here? Because there's a huge, there's a huge perception problem. There's, again, people just think, think down on, on the blue collar, blue collar world. But, but the, the happiest people I know work in the blue-collar world. Okay, so if it's such a terrible place, then why are these people so so happy? It's because they're proud of what they do. It's because they're serving an essential part of society. It's because there's camaraderie out there that just isn't anywhere else in society. It's because they're outside every day. It's because they're working hard every day. Humans want to work hard. Imagine, like, anyone, you know, what are you most proud of in life? It's what you've worked hardest on. It's, it's a direct correlation. So that's why they enjoy it. 
is there pro- are there big problems to the blue collar industry too? Are people treated just horribly? Absolutely, and those are the problems we want to fix too. So, we're hired on by companies to help help tell their stories, get more people hired, grow their businesses. So we're you know, our primary business marketing agency for heavy construction mining. Period. We don't we don't do home building. We don't do vertical construction. We don't do any other type of construction or anything like that. Just mass excavation, infrastructure, mining, demolition, you know, big, large scale demolition. That's all we do. But it's billions and billions of dollars and, and a lot of room to run there. So we're not really afraid of uh, of that running out. But the company's mission, make the dirt world a better place. So we don't just partner with anyone at the same time. It's it's serving two functions. It's It's not... Uh, yeah, just anyone comes our way. Great. Let's just make a sale and let's do it. No, no, no. It's, hey, let's get to know one another because I want to make sure you're the right fit. I want to make sure you're already treating your people right. I want to make sure you're already investing in people. I want to make sure you're already sharing about your business because I don't have time to mess around trying to convince people of this new future. I just want to partner with those future businesses and then help them grow. I think there's a huge transformation going on in the infrastructure world. These old school businesses, their old school model of just, hey, bring people in use the hell out of them and then discard them and find new ones. It just doesn't work anymore. The labor market doesn't function like that. Their business model is, is flawed at a very fundamental level. So it's either change or die. And so I think a lot of them are going to die. A lot of these new companies are going to come up, take their market share and we're there to help those new companies and in turn make the dirt world a better place. So, um, that's, that's how we function. Man, Aaron, I, I have so much to dissect here. I mean, I, I couldn't write notes fast enough, right? So it's funny. I mean, we're not going to make this political, um, you know, but there's some important things you said. You know, there's been this emphasis, and it's funny because Elon Musk, I actually heard a podcast with him, and he talked about it. I mean, you guys are like writing the same with your theories there. And he said, we don't build stuff. We're not building stuff. There's no value to building. And that's why we're in the predicament we are with outsourcing everything out of the country. We're taking dollars and we're pumping steroids into them and the finance market. And it's not to disregard investment banking and venture capitalists, you know, but the reality is there's been this priority to the white collar priority to pumping, you know, the dollar steroids. And we're not making stuff. We're not doing that. And there's been this, uh, uh, you, you know, in high school when I had, was going to college and I was going to do construction management, you know, people are like, why are you going into construction? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And why would you go to college or go to construction, right? And, and the reality is, like, I talk to people about this, that, you know, there's been this, um, as you said, there's been this buy-in from universities, from the government, and everyone, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. Well, in some instances, yes, you know, and, and did it catapult me? Yes. But I look at it now, you know, some of my best people that I work with and that I have employed with me are not college graduates, right? I mean, you know, in our field, there's other ways to to get around that. And so there's this there's this human side to what we do where I see my team, people ask about culture. Well, you know, there's a lot of pride in social media that my team can see the things we're building and they can see, you know, be part of that. And, and they can drive by a project that they worked on and said, hey, I worked on that, I built that, right? There's this, uh, uh, you know, the satisfaction that comes from that. And people in the blue collar world understand that there's something about building things that just brings joy in that hard work, as you mentioned. And so, you know, what I love that you said too, is you had talked about, well, either, you get on board or you die as a company because what's happening is there's been this burnout, the high turnover for these companies. So now what you're trying to do, Aaron, is you're trying to inform and teach these companies that, hey, okay, there, there needs to be some company culture. There needs to be training. There needs to be some benefits to employees, you know, a, a, a pleasant workplace, the camaraderie. And if the company has that ethos, that mentality, then you're on board. You're going to join ventures with them. Yep. Yeah. And, and 
And I'm not trying to tell these companies, hey, you need to spend more on your people and make less money. I'm saying spend more on your people, invest in your people, and you're going to make way more money because now your people are going to be happy. Now they're going to want to show up to work. Now you're going to have a better culture. Now they're going to be more productive. It goes hand in hand. They're both directly correlated, but everyone's so damn concerned about they're spending right now and just in just being so tight-fisted in this industry. We don't want to invest anything. And we and, and in fairness, they haven't had to. And my argument right now, and well, you know, coronavirus has changed things a little bit, but not really in the in infrastructure world. Everyone's making record profits right now. Everyone's making record money. So why would an executive listen to a 25-year-old kid that's saying, hey, you have a big problem on your hands and you need to dr- dramatically change the way you do business if you want to keep doing business this way? They're not going to listen to me. They don't care. They're like, why Why would I do that? I'm making record money. Get out of here. And so, but, but, and I used to just try to, you know, pound my fist on the table and preach this message to the, the biggest companies in the industry. They wouldn't listen. It would fall on deaf ears. So we've just totally transitioned away from that. And now I don't go sell. Now I put my message out there online on social media. Whoever it resonates with reaches out to us. Hey, we want to start talking with you. And then we, we start a dialogue, start a conversation, and then hopefully it ends up in a business relationship if it's the right fit for the both of us. It's almost like a, it's not even a, our, our sales calls are not even, okay, you need to sell your product. And us, you know, pointing at a whiteboard or PowerPoint presentation for an hour and saying, yep, this is what we can do for you. Buy our product. It's, so tell me about your company. Tell me about your problems. Why are you even reaching out to us? You know what? What are you working on right now? What do you spend on? It's it's almost us interviewing them. We've we've totally turned the tables just to make sure that they're the right fit. Um, and and we found in the process some incredible people. We don't have any arguments with people. You know them telling us what to do or anything. They they're really good at what what they do. We're good at what we do, and they let us do what we do best. Tell their story, and it's working out really well. You know, I love that you said that. There, there are some important things to take from there. I think a lot of people, um, and I'm going to apply what you stated when you're talking about that you're interviewing the client that you're going to work with. I'm going to interpret that for in, in our field and to a lot of my listeners that maybe are architects or designers or builders. A lot of times we want the job. We're selling ourselves to get the client, right? How would it be to be reversed now where we've built a reputation or um, – whether it be product, whether it be our systems, whether it be our culture, our marketing, where now the clients are coming to us and now we can pick and choose our clients, right? Those that we're interviewing them. And and, and that's, it's, it's not just, hey, we're not bidding against everyone or this is a money thing. It's more, it's a tough industry for all of us that now we can pick our clients. And, and there's some value there that people don't realize. And you've done that. You've done that where now you're interviewing the clients who you want to work with. And another point you said that I really want to expand, expand upon is that a mentor of mine many years ago had said, hey, Brad, you need to look at employees as um, assets, not expenses, right? And that triggers something because so many times, you know, our biggest expense for most companies is your payroll, right? That payroll is that biggest expense. When you look at it as an asset to the company on your balance sheet and mentally, you know, it's going to change that, you know, and, and, and by doing that, it, it changes culture from the top down and it also change the productivity and buy-in and camaraderie from those that you employ. Exactly. Yeah. On the on the first point, too many businesses, and it's not even arrogant saying we 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 interview you know uh, the companies we work with and want to get to know them this and that. Like we're so good that just everyone wants to work. It's it's not like that. It's just that that we've been so disciplined in our approach, and and we don't want to be controlled by people. Too many businesses fall into this trap where they're the customer's always right. 
the customer's always right. And you're like, no, the customer's not always right. Absolutely not. I dis I hate that phrase because that is a trap as a business owner. And then you're just trapped into serving everybody and trying to make a product for everybody and trying to make everyone happy. That's just not not reality. The greatest products in the world are, have been made by people that, hey, the customer doesn't even know what the hell they want. So I'm gonna go make it for them. That's 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 what what we do. We're we're talking to these construction companies that have never done marketing before have made no investment marketing, don't understand marketing at all. So why would they know anything about what we do? That's not the case. We're, 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 we do what we do, they do what they do. It's, 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 it's just uh, we've deliberately said we're going to control how we work on things, why we work on certain things, and who we work with. It's a deliberate business decision from the very beginning. And then you have to be really, really deliberate about making that decision and turning great opportunities down because they don't align with that. And it's so tempting to take on projects that you know you shouldn't just because it's like, ah, oh, this is just such a good opportunity, but uh, it doesn't align, so we have to turn it down. We've turned down big, big projects for those reasons. So that's one is I believe the customer's not always right. I can see what they can't. They're really good at building things. They're terrible at telling their story. So let them build stuff. We'll tell their story. I don't want them... I don't want them meddling around here trying to tell me what to do because they don't know what they're going to do. And I'm not going to go tell them how to build a project. I'm not even, hey, it's, again, it's just not an arrogance thing. It's just like a basic principle of our business. And um, as far as people go, every single time I've hired someone and and now we're hiring more people, I have viewed it as an expense. It's it's so stressful to me. Like, oh, how am I going to go swallow this $60,000? Like that's, that is a lot of money. Like, oh man, like, and what is that monthly? And what is that weekly? And how many, but then they, they come to work for you and then they start delivering, you know, you're paying them 60. They start delivering $200,000 in value. And you're just like, what was I, what, what was I worried about? Like that was the stupidest stress I could have put on myself. Like this was such an enormous investment. They're delivering so much value. They're giving us so many more capabilities than we didn't have before. And then once you start kind of just reframing things like that, it makes it so much easier. But I had to, I think the natural thing as a business owner is just to look at your payroll like, this is ridiculous. I, this is a joke. Like, why am I spending so much money? But then if you just reframe it like, this is the best investment I could make in my business. I just said it yesterday. I said, if we hire this person, I think this is the, this is the best single be- investment we can make with our money at this time right now. Not anything else. This is it. This person. When you reframe it like that, it, it just... It allows you to grow so much faster, I feel like. And then it just, it, you can appreciate them better. It, everything's better for everybody. I, I love that you said that. It's interesting you said that because on your website that I've opened right here on billwit.com, you know, I know we'll, we'll leave that at the end of this podcast for everybody. But, you know, one of you, you have like nine um, phrases, like nine little quotes here, right, that you kind of live by, you know, you're as a company. And one of them is one great person beats three good people. So it's funny as you're saying that because I've, I've seen that, you know, I've, you know, had that economic where you're thinking about hiring someone or the salary and the overhead, okay. And 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 part of it's not just, hey, this is an expense to our firm, but but you there's a you know, we wanna be sacred to it in the sense that, hey, this is someone that's changing their livelihood, they're coming on board, they have a family, you know, they have expenses and so am I gonna have the pipeline? Am I gonna have the work for them? And so there's some consideration there. But at the same time, you hire someone, you may pay a little bit more for the right person. But their value goes so much farther, and their commitment, and 
I've seen, I heard someone that was not inexpensive by any means, but has completely blown my mind on capabilities and production and, you know, technology and integration of techniques and practices that's now saving our firm money. So by making that, hiring that right person, now we've changed our organization culturally and with our systems that now we're even better, more efficient than we were a year ago. And and the values there, that's a complete asset. That's an investment that I should have made much sooner. Yep. Yeah. And and, and again, I'm I'm learning this lesson today, which is why I'm I'm very passionate about this subject specifically because I've been thinking about it. Like even um, we, we the I hired a, a marketing executive, Dan. He was the VP of marketing for a really big construction software company. And I actually worked for that software company for a few months. He was, he was, I, I reported to him. He left the company for the same reasons. We started working together, trying to just figure it out. And then after a year and a half, he said, Hey, I can go make a lot of money. You know, I, I, I'm, I was vice president. Like I could, I, I, I'm, I'm knowledgeable. I need this amount of money to, to be here. So we need to make this work. And this is, it's nothing personal. This is just what I need for my family to support my family, how I want to support them. I'm at, I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties. Like I gotta, I gotta kind of be serious here. I'm not just a kid like you. And I looked at the money, like how the hell am I going to come up with that amount of money? But I told him, Dan, you know, Hey, January one, I will get you that amount of money. We got him that amount of money. I just cringed when I gave it to him. I mean, it cringed when I, when I sent that email, you know, Hey, you know, can you adjust his payroll to this? And, and, and the, the bookkeepers and the accountants said it was irresponsible. It was, and then, and then other advisors have said, you, you should, you should, it is so irresponsible as a small business to be spending that percentage of your payroll on a single individual. It's, it's stupid. It's the stupidest thing you can do. And I did it anyway, cause I'm an idiot, <laughs> but now, and, and I was worried about it for many months. Like, is this really irresponsible letting people get in my head? And, and he makes many times more than I make and will make for many years now. But now we're in the room with big public mining companies, for example, like last week, he's been working on this big project with this national mining contractor, the biggest contract mining company in the United States. And they said, they jokingly, but kind of seriously said, you know, hey, we're going to enter into this agreement, but can we have our money back if you leave to Dan? Because, because they don't, they don't trust a kid, but they trust him. And it's like, wow, okay. I, and I, that's not an ego hit for me at all. That's thank God I have Dan because I would not even be in the room with these people. They wouldn't even be looking at me if it weren't for him. And then, and then it just clicks. It's like, well, okay, there's the expense justified right there. It doesn't matter how much you spend on someone. If they're delivering more than what, more than what you're spending in value or multiple times more in his case, then, then spend the money. Like it doesn't, you don't have to look at other companies like, well, the salary over here is X amount. That doesn't matter. The salary over here is X amount of dollars. Like, don't look at other companies as far as salaries go. If someone brings in, you know, if you're if you're they bring in three hundred thousand dollars, you shouldn't have a problem paying them a hundred, unless even if the market average is sixty. It's just it's just basic math. And so we've equated it like that. It breaks things down. It, it just makes things way simpler. And that one great person is three good people. I read that in a book. It's how the container store hires. So you can, you know, those three good people, those are just employees. They're just regular people. They want to show up. They want to just do their 40 hours. They don't really think about it. And then they go home. That's, that's it. So they're just, they're just employees. The world needs them, but you know, they're not going to go above and beyond. They're not looking to go, you know, create a bunch of value and go get a bunch of response. They're just, they're just people. You find those great people and we all know who they are. 
they're they're they can be three times uh, they, they can be worth three good people like they can be crazy productive and then now you now you're now you have to hire just one person instead of three people so now your your company is three times leaner then and, and now your competitor has to go hire three people just to keep up with you and then you can pay that one great person twice as well while still making out on top because now you don't have to pay two more salaries and it's a little bit it's been hard to find those great people but with that in the back of our mind when we make hiring decisions is this a great person that's that's a question we ask when we're hired are they a great person the answer is no we probably don't hire them and it's nothing personal and we have made you know there, there have been some errors um, but that's how we that's you know a basic hiring philosophy for us now I, I love that and, and there's a few things you said there I mean Aaron the reality is is that there's a cost you, you gave the example of Dan and I think we can all relate to the Dan's of our companies right that there's an expense but you know as, as a good CEO as a good entrepreneur you have to understand that you can't be everything to everyone there's you can't focus on every elements of your business and so it's really important that you're focusing on the overall business as you're doing Aaron but you have someone like Dan that now can get in the door with some of these companies that maybe you couldn't have and so you know a lot of us have staff that can execute you know Bluebeam or some of the software that maybe is not my strong suit as a business owner but that's okay you got to have everyone in that line and and when we think about the cost of somebody we need to also understand what is the cost to not have them on board what is the cost of my company and that's what you just said you said look there there's a cost for Dan but the cost to my firm is that I wouldn't be at the table with this opportunity without him and there's value there and we need to understand that and when you talk about culture it, it, it's funny you think about fit and just last week on the podcast I had Jeremy Andrews the CEO of Traeger and he you know had you know from building companies and private equity and 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 been through it so many times and he just over and over even offline told me Brad like if you have the wrong people on board you have to cut ties like even if they're talented at what they do culture is so important and there's value there and there may be an expense to having the right people and the right culture or maybe lack of experience but you can train experience you can train systems you can do that you just have to have the right people on board yep yeah i've had to learn that lesson uh recently we've just had some people that just it's it, nothing against them they're just like they're just not not fitting here and and we've tried to be patient we've tried to give them as much grace as we can and it's just not working and it's just and then it gets to a point and i kind of framed it this way like it's disrespectful for me to keep them on board when everyone else is is is, is where they need to be and they're not and 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 so i i can't do that to the team and then in in you know, Jocko talks a lot about this in the military. The mission is everything. The mission is more important than any one person here, even me and anybody. So we're mission driven. So if someone's not, you know, rowing the boat towards that mission, they either need to correct or they need to get off the boat. And because you're jeopardizing the mission, that's more important. Um, so it's it. And again, I, I'm a 25 year old kid. So <laughs> do I really know what I'm talking about? No. But I'm starting to learn some of these lessons now, and they're painful. It's it's hard pills to swallow. Like the, when we've had to uh, get rid of a few people, it's just like those are the worst, probably the worst days of business so far. Having to have that conversation with someone, like, listen, this is just isn't working out. I'm sorry, we have to go in a different direction. I, it's been terrible. I, I I don't enjoy it at all. I don't like some people. I guess in the in the traditional business world, it's like a thrill firing people. It's just like it makes me sick to my stomach. I mm-hmm. it's the last thing I want to do. Is that it's it's a 
but but you have to do it to to further the mission and and when i reframe it like that like the mission is everything we need to accomplish this mission make the world a better place and if we fall short of that like because of someone that's hugely irresponsible on my part then it makes the decision easy i guess no i love you said and you know what the the reality is your wife's behind your ears aaron so so let me ask you this you know being 25 i mean your story's pretty amazing i mean for anyone listening that's an entrepreneur, maybe working for someone or they're thinking about starting their own firm, whatever it may be, marketing such as you or design, architecture, build, you know, you had experience, you know, you went to college. Um, what what made that change? Were you always an entrepreneur? I mean, what made you take that jump to say, I know where I need to be. I know where I'm going to be successful. Here's my passion. I mean, how did that evolve? I grew up in, in Paradise Valley. So you're probably pretty familiar with Paradise Valley. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not a rough part of town by any means. <laughs> My dad's a tax attorney. I grew up going to Phoenix Country Day School, and I used to be afraid to say all that because I don't want you know people will use it to discredit you know accomplishments. And well, you right. just you, you, your dad just pays for everything. I, I get that all the time. I was like, it's it's like really. My dad tells me don't even look at me for money. Like it's the it's exact opposite now. But I got to he he put me in a really good spot where I got to grow up around very powerful people and everyone's dad was somebody and and everyone's dad was doing something different so one was a surgeon the next was a home builder the next was an automotive you know ceo the next one was a big corporate you know fortune 500 ceo they were all totally different totally per- different personalities and i got to go to you know my friends houses when you're a kid and you just but, but you just grow up around these guys and you get to see how they act and then you get to see how they live and not even how they how they think about business. I don't really I didn't really pick up on anything business because I was a kid. But you just got to see how they talked to people, how they thought, what time they waked up woke up in the morning, how they talked on the phone, how they ate their cereal, just simple simple stuff. I saw that world. I grew up in that world. It's like I want that world. I graduated, you know, after after high school into college. My dad was like he kind of patted me on the back. Hey, you've seen that. You can go get it. You have every every damn tool possible. And he handed me a lottery ticket, like, all you have to do is just cash this thing in, but you have to cash it in. And so he gave me that upbringing, but then didn't really give me anything after that. Like, if you want it, you go get it. <laughs> so I saw that I saw that, that side of the world. And it's like, uh, that's a pretty, like, like the houses you build, for example, I want one of those. Like, holy smokes, a kitchen that beautiful? Like beautiful gas range with with a griddle and you know eight burner. I mean, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. I'm sick of this electric stove. Well, how do you get it? You get it with money. And and, and so um, that was kind of the initial motivator. And and I I just have the personality. Like I just don't I don't like being told what to do. I don't like conforming. I don't like you know like like the the whole mask thing right now. And this this isn't even political. I. I'm more willing to wear a mask when someone says, don't, you, you don't have to wear a mask. Like it's recommended. But as soon as someone says you're required to wear a mask, I just want to look at, Hey, screw you. Like, you don't tell me what to do. Like, it's just like, it's, I don't even know what it is. It's, it, I get, it's sometimes problematic. Like I just don't want to be told what to do. Um, so I didn't, the plan was always to start a construction company and I was going to do it like when I was 30, but I went to college, graduated got a construction job after school, was managing work, then went down to a software company only four months later because it was you know, an opportunity to potentially change the construction industry you know, with I Build America promoting blue car workforce. Four months in, I just had you know, fundamental disagreements with the CEO who was running the program and paying for the program. 
and I was just sitting there eating lunch. Like, why, why am I here? I didn't go into work that day thinking I was going to quit my job, but I was sitting there at lunch on, you know, a Tuesday, like, why am I here? I don't like it here. I, I hate coming into work. I dread coming. I don't need to do this. I can just go figure this out on my own. And then I had no, no, there was no side business, no, no money, no business plan. I just quit that day, went into Dan's office. Hey, I'm done Friday, moved back home. My dad didn't have to pay rent and then just tried to create a company from there. So it's, it's, I guess it's partially, um, I was put in a really, really fortunate place where I got to see success at a very intimate level because a lot of people, a lot of people go their whole lives, never even seeing that, never even understanding, uh, never even meeting someone who makes a million a year, for example. And they're, they're just the enemy, you know, uh, you know, let's, let's go get the rich people. They don't even know the rich people. They've never met a rich person. Um, so I got to see those people and then I just have this, this internal drive. Like, let's just, I just want to go out and get stuff. Well, it's interesting you say that, you know, one of your, again, with your website here, excellence is a habit, right? And, and you alluded to that, that the people that were successful that you were exposed to, there were habits there. There was, um, whether it be minimal sleep, right? Hard work. You know, there's there's a lot that coincide there. You know that excellence is a habit, and and even more so. I mean, just going through your resume. I mean, you had a lot of experience working for big firms, right? Um, and and you've worked, as you mentioned, around the country. And so, you've you've had this life experience. You've had these things kind of fall into place. And so, you you had the experience. You had the understanding. You understood excellence is a habit. And there's, you know, there, there's something to be said with schedules and hard work and organization right we all need that to be a successful business owner so what how did that kick off i mean okay you you're exposed now to marketing and to you know you're working for that software firm so how does that come into play now how does build wit now take off to where you are today you know was it through social media you know what was that first step to really start building that that little enterprise you have yeah um I, social media has always been a big piece of it so it's, it's just, uh, we started small. I just started reaching. Actually, it wasn't really uh, people reaching out to me, you know, to begin with on social. It was just targeting people online. And, 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 you, and you know, it, it's amazing how accessible people are. When you want to find someone and talk to someone, you can. You just have to do enough Googling. Everyone's accessible on the internet. So Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, I started out by Hey, that's a cool. That's a cool company. They have a sweet excavator. I've never seen one of those. Hitachi 1200. That thing is cool. And holy smokes, it's in San Diego. That's only a six-hour drive from me. I can just get in my car and go and and message this company. Hey, can I just this my name, Aaron Witt. You know, I love this industry. I just want to come out and take pictures of your Hitachi 1200. Here's some of my other pictures. Can I do that? The amazing thing is in construction. A lot of like the Instagram accounts, for example, are run by the guy, are run by the business. They are. They are. (laughs) So you just send you send a DM to them, and then you get the owner of the company. (laughs) Yeah. So and anyone can send a DM. So uh, so I just would send these companies, you know, direct messages. Hey, this is who I am. You know, if with no expectations, not trying to sell them anything. Just I'm just a kid. I love what you guys do. I want to come see it. And then from there. Um, you know, Hey, potentially this could, this could work out down the road and they'll, you know, Oh, now I'm curious about this. Who is this kid? What does he do? What? So what do you do? Oh, well, you know, I just started this company and you know, I, I can come out and take pictures for you and put it on social media. And this is why telling your story is important. This is what I believe in. And, and it, in, in the beginning, and it still is now, but a lot more now is t- selling our capabilities than me. 
it was just them buying me. I was just genuinely sharing my story with them, genuinely sharing my excitement with them, genuinely sharing my vision for the industry with them. And it wasn't even formed then. And it's still, it still is forming. It's a lot further along now. And they just bought into it. And then, you know, I started with, I can take pictures for you. And I, I wasn't a very confident photographer at the time. I'll take pictures for you. Great. Started taking pictures of you. Hey, uh, our website sucks. Do you do websites too? Absolutely, I do websites. And then my next call after I hang up with them is, hey, Dan, we need to build a website. Do you know how to build a website? Nope, I don't know how to build a website. Well, I don't either. Can we find someone that knows how to build a website? <laughs> All right, let's go, let's go on the internet and find someone. And then we found someone to build a website. And now we create websites. And then, hey, your branding sucks. Like your logo is horrible and you have no... Let's, let's clean this up. Let's talk about this. Or, hey, you don't really have a higher purpose to your company. Everyone's just showing up for a paycheck. Let's sit down with the executive team and talk through your business. Why, why do you guys show up to work every day? What's that higher purpose to your work? What are your values? How do you operate your business? How can we communicate these? So now we do branding. And, and so we've just evolved as we've gone on by uh, serving them as well as we can, doing the right thing, just trying to do business very honestly. When we screw up, hey, we screwed up. You know, this is what we thought. Uh, it didn't work out this way. We want to make it right. Or, hey, we have this new service. Can we just try it out on your company? We, I don't want any money from you. So there's there's no there's no you know downside here for you unless we really screw something up at your company. But can I just start messing around with your HR system and try to give you a whole new HR system because we're driving all this traffic to you and your new website and your marketing's right now. But you have no system to process anybody. So why the hell? Why why did we just do all this if there's no system there to actually process applications and hire people? So that's a problem. Let's go solve that. And so now it's starting to become a family of companies. So we have the marketing agency. It's starting to hum along now. A family of companies serving different functions for the exact same customer base. So it'll eventually be a group of companies doing anything you know from the marketing agent agency to training. I want to create a training business to used equipment sales, to HR and recruiting, to uh, business development, just business consulting, because construction companies are very good at building things. They're terrible at running their companies, and, and they don't really understand their companies very well. So there's a lot of opportunity there. So now it's become you know, just through doing and seeing the companies and seeing their problems and just talking to them, what are your biggest problems? We're just trying to solve their problems. And from that, we've created all these new businesses from nowhere. Um, but there's no model to follow. So do we screw up all the time? Do we have the stupidest idea? We like one, you know, Monday will come around and I have this genius idea and Dan and I are talking about it. Why didn't we do this sooner? This is amazing. The next Monday comes around. That was the stupidest idea we could have ever had. And so it's a lot of that right now. Cause we don't really have anyone to follow. We're just kind of doing what we think is right. And that's, I don't have any formal marketing training, nothing of the sort. We're not like, okay, how does marketing work? We're just doing it how we think it should be done and, and trying to just iterate along the way. And it's become this, this, this company over time. Well, I, I, that's really important for anyone listening because what you've done, I mean, it's a true disruptor, right? What you're doing is you're looking for pain points. And you said that, you know, any key to a good company is you find pain points and you solve those for the customer. And so your customers are the trades or the general contractors or the mining companies, they're the excavating companies. And so what you've done is you fill their pain point where most of them are good at what they do. They're good at moving dirt. They're good at excavation. They're good at you know mining. But what they're not good at, they're not good at sales, at branding. But what I love is your company evolves. You're always looking 
where can we fill a pain point? Okay, maybe it'd be uh, job hiring. You know, we just talked about the lack of, you know, demand. How can we create that demand for our customers? Now, can how can we put, you know, hire and, and find the right fit for them? How can we, you know, sell their equipment that's used and, and create, you know, a resource through our website and branding and evolution? And so for anyone listening, I think that's the most important thing, Aaron, that you love with us is just find pain points, um, you know, for you, it, it doesn't matter that you have a marketing background because you know what appeals to the masses. I mean, you've done that and you've seen what attracts you and you've implemented that to now broadcast your message. So so what's exciting? I, you know, you spent a lot of time with me and gave some great insight. I just really appreciate your time here. And so what's what's next, exciting, upcoming for BuildWay? Right now, uh, well, I moved to Nashville a few days ago. So, oh, you did? Are yeah. you in Nashville now? Yep, I'm in Nashville now. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle right now is uh, moving to Nashville and getting an office. I've been working out of my apartment for two and a half years now, and uh, it was great when it started. But now we have you know full time, part time, twenty five people, and it's so it's, so it's starting to become a monster. So I need to go create an office and start creating a community and start hiring locally in Nashville. So that's that's a big piece of it, and and I guess we're just to the point now. Our company's kind of become a like a legitimate company. So it's not just like a hey, we're just having fun. Like we're doing company stuff, and wow, I just got a huge check in the mail. Like this is sweet. It's like a oh man, this has kind of become a hungry monster now. And oh man, there's like laws that we need to be following as far as our hiring practices go. And oh geez, like we might have a very serious tax problem. So it's it's now it's it's we're spending a lot of time just creating processes, trying to iron iron out the wrinkles of our business, and. Um, I guess the really the big big push into next year will be we we created a platform a hiring platform called Build with Jobs and it's it's you know we looked at Indeed we looked at ZipRecruiter and and asked you know hey how are how much are you guys spending on this stuff and a lot of the companies we work with you know fifty thousand a hundred thousand dollars a year they were just spending a hundred thousand dollars a year on this with no nothing in return but they were like well it's just it's the only option. We have to go spend it. We have to do something. It's like, well, why don't we just create a platform specifically for the dirt world for hiring? Um, so we've been kind of doing that in the background for a while. And and now as we're, we're towards the end of the year, we're going to invest you know a few hundred thousand dollars into it, create a legitimate software and real platform out of it, and then roll that out very aggressively next year across the entire industry, monetize it, and really start uh, you know creating a whole business and team around that. So a lot of exciting stuff in the works it's it's pretty cool to and it's just i wake up every day like how did this all happen because i man i i did not see any of this coming uh but it's just like it's one day at a time just kind of on the roller coaster and you know just all right what, what's around the corner there what, what trying to trying to do my best to anticipate what's what's ahead but it's uh it's just a wild ride every day right now no, that's so amazing, Aaron. And, and you know, it just shows the hard work, right? Calling up someone in San Diego saying, hey, can I come photograph it? And now I'm turning that into a business, right? There's there's a lot of development and entrepreneurship. I mean, it's a true success story. So can't thank you enough for the insight. And, and where can our listeners find you? Uh, so at BuildWit on Instagram, Facebook. So just B-U-I-L-D-W-I-T-T. BuildWit.com. BuildWitJobs.com is the hiring platform. I'm on LinkedIn, Aaron Witt. Um, don't follow me if you, if you don't want tractor pictures on your feed every <laughs> single day, cause if you do, you'll, you'll get them on there. Uh, but I try to make it exciting and, and fun. So I'm, I'm all over the place. And then we have a podcast too called dirt talk. 
where I, I talk with um, most of the business owners we work with and, you know, hey, James Milburn of Milburn Demolition, uh, how'd you do this? Like, where, where'd you start? Like, why, why I even started Demolition Company? That's kind of a stupid thing to do. Like, what were you even thinking? And we just talk through in a very honest manner just how people have created these new businesses, what the problems are in the dirt world. And it's all, again, it's all focused around our mission, make the dirt world a better place. Well, I love that. And what's the podcast again, if they're searching iTunes or Spotify? Dirt Talk. Dirt Talk. So yeah, yeah, by Buildwood. Or if you search Buildwood on, on anywhere on podcasts, you'll find it. But the problem is I didn't really think about the whole Dirty Talk side of things. So you will get a bunch of sex podcasts. <laughs> Oftentimes you search Dirt Talk. So try, try to find the uh, construction and mining related one. <laughs> well, you're awesome, Aaron. I can't thank you enough for making time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, this is awesome. So great episode with Aaron today. And just as a quick recap, you know, it's really important, again, that we focus on the content, right? Good photography, something that's going to bring in the listener with that emotional journey, uh, create that story, create engagement. And of course, as we look just overall running our company, you know, it's really easy to be looking at the bottom line and profits and, you know, margins. But what's most important is if we look at our employees as assets, as in lieu of expenses, you know, it's going to change our mindset. It's going to allow us to hire great people instead of good people and build that culture. And what's, you know, the end of the result is it's going to make us more efficient and more profitable as a company anyways. And it's going to just create a better reputation and marketing. Again, make sure that we're building that reputation as we're marketing our brand and, and conscience of how we're broadcasting our message to those around us, you know, and those key points, those key talking points that are important to us and our company our motto and what we're focusing on. How are we sharing that so that the listeners and those who follow us on our platforms really see that. So big thanks to Aaron. Thank you all for tuning in. If you could go on our uh, podcast and give us a like, uh, a positive review, very helpful. And again, thank you 